0: and welcome to the north pole everybody got a special show tonight uh well for a few reasons i'm not wearing a vikings jersey an adam thielen jersey this week i'm wearing orange because this is an afc north talk show tonight sticking on the topic of the north pole as we enter christmas season got a guitar in the background this is not My usual studio setup, which is my girlfriend's basement. This is actually my parents' basement this time, and I don't play guitar, uh, but I would love to learn someday. Uh, Tonight's show, we got a special guest, Caitlin McCarthy, who is a huge Ravens fan. We're going to break down that Ravens-Browns 50, or not 50, that was what, an 89-point performance uh, from both sides combined. Absolutely crazy game. Um, I think I did my math wrong. No, that was right. Yeah, 89 points. And on the last play, a lot of people lost a lot of money. Millions of dollars got switched because of that last second safety. Um, but crazy game. Me and Caitlin are gonna talk about that in just a second. And then after that, I'm gonna talk about a little bit about the playoff race between the uh all the NFC North teams. So stay tuned, it's gonna be a great show. And without further ado, let's bring on our first guest, Caitlin McCarthy. Caitlin. Hello, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm great. Thank you for joining the show. And uh, let me pull up that great Ravens background that I've (laughs) been bragging about. Um, Like I said before, I'm kind of a Browns fan because obviously I'm a Vikings fan, but they have some Vikings uh, alums. They have Kevin Stefanski as their head coach. Love the guy. They also have Andrew Sandejo, who is our safety for a good amount of time in Minnesota during our great runs. Uh, but you're a Ravens fan, correct?
1: Mm-hmm, yes.
0: And you also have a podcast. And how can people who are watching this tonight, how can they access your podcast? What's the name of that?
1: So my podcast is called Kicking Off with Caitlin. It's available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, I do about week um, every week, every Thursday to start off the week um, during football season. So.
0: And that's uh, just a t- all-around NFL podcast? Are you biased? Are you – like me, I'm a huge biased Vikings fan on my podcast, but are you are you just doing all the NFL? Like what? which kind of NFL fan do you, are you trying to attract with this podcast mostly?
1: I try to touch up on all of the teams. I try not to be biased. I do talk about every Ravens game now in every podcast, but then I do talk about um, like the most important games that go on. And then I do my predictions for every single game because I want to touch on all 32 teams. But I do say a lot about the Ravens in most of the podcasts. That's
0: great. Uh, There's a lot to talk about with the Ravens after Monday night's game. Uh, Let's start off. I mean, it's the fourth quarter. Lamar Jackson still in the locker room after entering the locker room with Cramps in the late third quarter. What is going through your head, Caitlin, when... Trace McSorley of all people. I didn't even know he was on the Ravens. I thought RG3 was still their backup and was healthy. I was unaware that Trace McSorley was coming out. Walk me through your mind at this point in time.
1: Um, Well, I was aware that um, RG3 is normally our backup, but he pulled his hamstring in the Pittsburgh Steelers game about two weeks ago. So Trace McSorley was the backup. Um, and... He did play – because he did play in Pittsburgh two weeks ago, and he did play well, but it definitely was more stressful because we were actually trailing a point at the time. Um, We were, like, 35-34, and we were up two scores for most of the game also. But when he came in, I was stressed, and I remember on his first drive, it was a three and out, and I was like, this is not going well. And then on the second drive, he got, like, a few first downs, and then he – It was like third and five, and then he injured his knee. And then I'm like, "Who's coming in now?" Because R. D. Three is not playing; he's inactive. Lamar Jackson is nowhere to be found. So definitely very stressful. But when I saw they showed like Lamar running out to the field, I was like, "This is like a movie." (laughs) Like how? And he honestly did say the day four and it was like four and ten or it was four and long. Definitely fourth.
0: Yeah, fourth and six, I believe it was.
1: Yeah, so when he's – and then especially he threw the ball to Hollywood Brown for a 44-yard touchdown, and when I saw that, because Hollywood Brown was dropping balls uh, all throughout the game, he was very sloppy. He's been honestly sloppy for the whole season. It's been very frustrating, especially to get that passing offense going. But when I saw a touchdown, I kind of got hope, but I knew the game wasn't over. There was still, like, a little less than two minutes, and I can't believe the score changed, like, three times in between that.
0: Yeah, and uh Lamar Jackson broke the record for most rushing yards on Monday Night Football by a quarterback with 124 yards on just 9 attempts rushing. Summarize Lamar Jackson's performance in 3 words, Caitlin.
1: Um I would have to say most valuable player. Although he hasn't had the MVP season that he had last year. Um I think he's becoming a better quarterback and everyone keeps saying he's a running back, but I feel that honestly, in this game, he proved that he's not because he won that game with his arms. He didn't win it with his legs. Like he had to get a few first downs to get Justin Tucker in line for that 55 yard field goal. So, um, and especially even last week against the Cowboys, he had a really good game and I felt like he was just off and he needed something to work out and I feel like he's progressing really well and although he's not having the season of course like last year I think he's still the most valuable player on that team and that they are not really their offense can't function without him
0: yeah and we have some comments Caitlin that was well said um I really didn't want to talk about this but everybody in the comment section right now (laughs) is talking about uh this we have a lot of comments here from Andy Hopper. Thank you for watching, Andy. Um, and then uh, Nick Barnes, not Caleb, Carolyn Barnes. Uh, it's Nick Barnes, her son, with, do you think Lamar Jackson lied? I was going to talk about this just briefly. I was going to sum up Lamar Jackson's performance in one word, explosive. I, I think that's, <laughs> metaphorically speaking, uh, he was explosive all night. And you're right, They they don't, run their offense even close to the same without him. Uh, He is by far their most valuable player because they run almost like an army offense. I mean, I'm an army football fan. And if you watch that army Navy game, you see the, the option. They were running a ton of pistol triple option. And that's the offense that no other offense in the NFL runs besides Baltimore. I think we don't give their offensive coordinator, enough credit for the creativeness of this offense. It's old school, but also super innovative at the same time. And there's, when you have two running backs in the backfield, as well as Lamar Jackson catching the snap, that's essentially having three running backs who can touch the ball and run on you on that given down. And the difference that I think between Army, a triple option offense, and Lamar Jackson's Ravens is that Lamar Jackson can throw the ball very, very well. So how do you stop this offense um, right now? If you're a defense in on any team in the, in the league.
1: Um, I think that most of the defenses that we've played have started, have sort of caught up to Lamar's offense, honestly, like with the running, like they know that he's going to run the ball multiple times per game so I think that now that he's developing more of a passing game, I think that's what's going to trick the defense. Um, and, I and like, the thing is with the Ravens' passing offense, I'm not even blaming Lamar for him not completing passes. It all starts with the offensive line, and the offensive line, the Ravens, has been weak the whole season. It's not been the same as it was last year. And also the receivers, many dropped passes. Hollywood Brown had, like, two dropped passes in a row uh, last year. In Monday's game, so um, to stop the Ravens' offense, um, I don't know to stop one <laughs> because I feel that they can do both. I feel that they are a running offense and a passing offense.
0: Yeah, I think who? I mean, it's so hard to answer that question. If if defensive coordinators on all thirty-two teams can't seem to solve that question, I don't know how we are ever going to find a way to solve it. But uh, an, a, another question from. Andy Hopper is thoughts on Edwards and Dobbins getting all the carries was Ingram hurt. Uh, That's a great observation from Andy. I was curious about that as well. Uh, Mark Ingram was really good the last few years in Baltimore and now he's just gotten phased out. Uh, What's your thoughts on their running back situation right now?
1: I honestly don't think that the Ravens need Mark Ingram and he was great last year and I really enjoyed um, how he was on the offense, but Honestly, I think the combination between um, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards is enough for the Ravens, and I think that – I don't think he was hurt. I think he did get injured like earlier in the season. It was like a minor in- in- injury, but other than that, I feel that we don't really need him, and I feel like that we can develop with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, and I feel that the Ravens play better without Mark Ingram. And I think they're just fast, more fast piece with the other two running backs.
0: Yeah. And another um, comment we have here is about the defensive side of the ball and uh, Marcus Peters. He was injured in this game. Uh, without Marcus Peters, this Ravens defense wasn't even close to the same. And then when he came out onto the field, it was kind of a sigh of relief for Ravens fans. Uh, how is Marcus Peters doing health wise right now?
1: I haven't seen anything that he wasn't practicing or anything, but Marcus Peters is probably my favorite player right now on the Ravens. And he's been such a big factor for the defense, especially we got him like mid season last year from the Rams. And he was honestly a great um, part to that defense. I think he works really well on the other side of Marlon Humphrey and not having him definitely makes a difference as we saw in the game. And I hope it's not a big injury because also Jimmy Smith has been um, not playing as well with injuries. He's, I feel like he's always injured, honestly, and we definitely need him um, for the rest of the season. I'm going to be really disappointed if he is not to play because he's a big part of that defense and that secondary.
0: Yeah, Jimmy Smith has been there forever. How long has Jimmy Smith been on that team? I was playing like Madden 13, and I remember Jimmy Smith was like the highest rated corner on the Ravens at the time. So he's been there for a while, right?
1: Yeah, he's been there for a while, but he's always hurt. Like every single season I feel that I when I watch them, Jimmy Smith is always hurt or he's suspended and it's really frustrating because he's he's not consistent. So I'm kind of over him honestly. I really like Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters as our starting corners.
0: Yeah, Marlon Humphrey, I I got really introduced to him this past Monday for real because I haven't I haven't watched a ton of AFC football this year. It just seems like the I'm always paying attention to the NFC because that's more relevant to what the, the Vikings have to go up against for the wild card. But the AFC, first of all, is better than the NFC. I think we can all mm-hmm. agree on that. And Marlon Humphrey, they showed highlights of him stripping the ball. The guy's a ball hawk. And what I love about him is he wears number 44. Uh, that is hilarious to be a cornerback wearing 44, because I watch him and I couldn't tell what position he was. Mm-hmm. I thought he was a linebacker lining up against the receiver. Uh, what, what What kind of player is Marlon Humphrey? Is he... Like a Jamal Adams type player where he could do everything really well?
1: Um, I think so. And he used to be number 29, but when Earl Thomas is on um, the team, Last year, he wanted a switch, and that's why he's no longer number 29. Of course, and- <laughs> Earl
0: Thomas's ego getting in the way of everything. I know.
1: I didn't even want Earl Thomas on the team. I was not upset when he, when he uh, got no. released from the team. He's an, an awful season. dude,
0: too. Absolutely, like, atrocious human after what I've heard him do. Yeah, yeah, he's
1: just not, like, a good team player, but Marlon agreed to switch, and he said that he wears number 44 because that's what his dad used to wear. Um. But I think that Marlon Humphrey could do it all, and I feel that not enough people talk about how talented he is. I mean, he has eight forced fumbles this season, still uh, three more games in the regular season to play. Um, And I feel like he doesn't get enough credit. And I feel that, honestly, the Ravens' corners, Marcus Peters, and Marlon Humphrey are probably top five corners in the league, and nobody talks about them.
0: Yeah, and everybody's right now is talking about how Baker Mayfield had A great game, which on in person, it did look like he had a great game at some points. But if you look at the stats in this game, 28 for 47 passing, that's 19 incompletions. So this secondary is doing something right. I think a lot of his completions ultimately came on really short passes to Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry has been a nightmare to guard for all secondaries this year, just because of how much versatility he has, where he lines up is always a question before the snap. Um, how about that pass rush, though? Calais Campbell, 34 years old. I don't know how much money you guys gave him. I think it was a lot, I would imagine. And then Yannick Ngakwe, who was a former Viking, uh, this for five weeks until we had to dump him because we found out we were screwed financially. Uh, so what about those two guys? How do you? How have you liked them? I'm sure it's a love-hate relationship with those guys so far.
1: Um, Personally, I... Like Clay's Campbell, and I felt he was a good part of the defense, but he's been injured. Uh, I Remember, he injured his calf. I don't remember what game it was, but he's like he's been in the games, but he's not the same. Like he doesn't look healthy and to his full uh, expectations. I feel like, and for Ngwakwe, I feel that I haven't seen enough of him. I saw, I noticed um, on Monday night he was applying a lot of pressure to Baker Mayfield. Obviously, wasn't getting it enough because there was zero sacks for the Ravens defense. Uh, which is not normal for that defense. That Ravens defense has been good for so long, and I and they couldn't sack him once. It's not normal or usual for the Ravens defense. But I feel that eventually, when they're fully healthy and fully adjusted to that Ravens defense, that they could make a really impactful performance on that side.
0: Yeah, and another, uh, a few other guys on that defense. Who else on that defense do you think has stepped up the most this year?
1: Uh, for Baltimore? Um, besides, I would say like Marlon Humphrey. I really like Patrick Queen, the rookie from LSU that we picked up this year because after the 2018 season, uh, Zadarius Smith went to the Packers. CJ Mosley was our leader for defense and he went to the Jets. And I felt that the linebacker position on the Ravens was really weak. We only had like Matt Judon. Um, And he wasn't performing well. So I feel that Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison, also a rookie, um, they've been stepping up a lot this year. Um, I feel that Patrick Queen is going to be a great player. I mean, it's only his rookie year. And here he has 92 tackles, two sacks, two forced fumbles, a touchdown. Like, those are great stats for a rookie. And I feel that he's going to be great as uh, the years come.
0: Yeah. And uh, something to note on this team that I think is really interesting is that the Ravens have the third highest salary cap when it comes to paying their defense. They, they, pay, they spend third most in the league on defense, but then on offense, they have the 32nd least amount of salary uh, attributed to their offensive players. Their highest paid offensive player, Caitlin, is tight end Nick Boyle. And he is also set to be their highest paid player on offense next season. So when you look at how this team could possibly improve moving forward, there's a ton of room to improve on offense in terms of spending. Uh, What do you think they should do in the future when it comes to adding weapons to their offense?
1: We definitely need wide receivers. I feel that not even just this season, but previous seasons, we the Ravens never have like good solid receivers. You never hear anybody in the NFL, none of the analysts talking about like, oh, like the Ravens have like this great receiver. Like nobody talks like they have like DeAndre Hopkins or like um Javaris Landry. Like we don't have any of those. The only year we honestly had good receivers was the Super Bowl year when when, when we had Jacoby Jones, Anquan Bolden, and Torrey Smith. Like we need receivers just like that. And Honestly, Hollywood Brown, he's fast, but he can't catch the ball. Willie Snead also struggles. Miles Boykin doesn't do anything. I just feel like we need three new totally receivers. I mean, um, because they can't catch the ball. They're not making plays. They're not doing anything for us. And um, the only player that does make plays passing-wise is tight end Mark Andrews. And I love him. And I feel that the Ravens are very good when it comes to drafting tight ends like we had Todd Heap um years and years ago and then oh, we had yeah. Dennis- I remember
0: Todd Heap <laughs> those were the good old days
1: yeah and then we had Dennis Pitta and he was great for the Ravens too he was also on that Super Bowl team so i feel that they're great uh drafting tight ends but wide receivers they don't know how to pick good ones and i feel that definitely needs to be addressed in the off season
0: that's that's interesting yeah i could think like the best Ravens receiver of the last 10 years could it be Jacoby Jones? I mean, I could be omitting somebody that was really good, but it almost seems like it was was Jacoby Jones who really was hardly a receiver. He was just kind of an athlete that they stuck at receiver who could go deep uh, for them.
1: Yeah, because I mean, even we had, when we had Steve Smith, like he was in his late thirties. Anquan Bolden already past his prime. He was old too. We didn't. We never had like a good young receiver on our team. And Jacoby Jones, he. He would play on like offense. He made that huge um, play in the uh, the divisional round in 2012 against the Broncos to score a touchdown. That was huge. And on he's made so many plays on special teams. He was more of like a special teams guy, but he did make plays when it came to offense. Um, but I just feel that um, they need to get younger guys in there and develop them.
0: Yeah. Well, right now, what I do like about the Ravens is their identity is very clear. And that's something that I can appreciate because when you know your identity as a coaching staff, then it's easier for a general manager to draft players according to that identity. I think their identity is very clear right now that they are a run-first team and it's working. Um, So in a way, it's almost like their receivers should just be possession, guys who could just catch the ball and Because in this offense, their receivers aren't expected to make the explosive plays. I think they just should find receivers who can play into, like Larry Fitzgerald, guys who can, are willing to block because this is essentially like an army offense where everybody's got to be able to block on this team. Mark Andrews, great blocker. All those tight ends you mentioned in Baltimore's history were also great blockers. They're not like the Darren Waller type tight ends or Jimmy Graham type tight ends. So- Find guys who are willing to get their hands dirty, and I think that'd be great. Uh, Going back to their offensive line, do you think that their offensive line could use maybe a first-rounder this year in the draft? Do you think they should look to the free agency to maybe bolster that offensive line a bit?
1: Uh, We definitely need help on the offensive line. And the thing is, the only person on the Ravens offense that didn't return this year was the guard Marshall Yonda. And it's clear that, that he ran that offensive line. I mean, yes, there was like injuries and some issues with the line, but we definitely need somebody. Um, first round, I'm not sure. I feel like we honestly need a receiver more than anything, but it does always come down to the offensive line first and because the offensive line is, um, has to protect the quarterback. And if Lamar can't get the ball out of his hands, then it's not going to go anywhere. But definitely um, early draft pick, I would say, we would definitely need offensive linemen
0: yeah i think that would that would definitely give them a better opportunity uh and then another point i wanted to make is that I, we have to be critical of the ravens they're definitely not phony i don't think anybody i don't think their record indicates how good they are i think they're way better than the record indicates however if we are going to find dirt on this on this team season this was just the third win all year for the ravens against a team with a record over 500 and the Ravens aren't scheduled to play another team with over 500 record all season. They actually have an incredibly easy schedule from here on out. They play the Jaguars this week. Uh, does this win against the Browns? Does this kind of prove to the naysayers that they're a legitimate contender for the AFC? And this lumps into another question I have is what are your expectations for this team finishing out the year in the postseason?
1: I definitely think the Ravens are a playoff contender and, they might not make the playoffs because they do have to rely on other teams now because they're technically number eight. They're on the outside looking in. Um, But I think especially for the Browns game, since the Ravens played them in week one and they blew them out, was 38 to seven or something like that. The Browns are definitely a way different team than they were week one. And I felt that this win defined a lot because honestly, if the Ravens lost this game, they weren't going to be, Really talked about. They weren't going to be talked about for the playoffs. They were just going to be like there were nothing from last year, all of that. But also, in all the games that the Ravens lost against the Chiefs, the Titans, um, the Patriots, and the Steelers twice, they lost by only one score, and they just couldn't finish it. Especially with the um, Ravens Titans game in late November, it was an overtime game, and I felt like the defense was just tired, and they just let. That's why Derrick Henry just ran for a 30-yard rushing touchdown. But I do feel that they just need to work on finishing their games and um, because they are a playoff contender. And I do think the Ravens are going to make it into the playoffs. They can't win the division. That's out of the question. But I do think they're going to make it into the playoffs, especially because of how easy the rest of their schedule is. And they are playing the Jaguars this week. I, I feel that should be a blowout. The Giants, I'm not saying it's going to be easy win because that defense has definitely stepped up since the beginning of the season. But I do think that the Ravens have a better team than the Giants and then they finish off with the Bengals. So I do think that the Ravens are going to win three. And also we have the tiebreaker over the Browns now. We beat them twice. We also have the tiebreaker over the Colts because we beat them head to head. And if the Dolphins lose one more game than we do, we'll be ahead of them because right now they technically are in it because they have a better conference record than us. But I do think the Ravens are going to be a wild card team. I don't think they will honestly get far in the playoffs because of how good all the other teams in AFC. I thought it was kind of crazy that I'm like, why does everyone in the AFC want to be good this year? I can't even pick a favorite out of them, honestly, between the chiefs. That's obvious. That's a lot of people's favorite, but then I'm like looking at the dolphins, like how much they were coming. They were down 30 to 10 last week and they're like a legit wild card team. And I also feel like the Browns that that loss for them didn't define their season. They're still a very good team. And also, the Colts. They're a little underrated. Nobody's talking about them, but they're still in it. And uh I feel that honestly any team in the AFC could be representing the AFC in the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. It's it's crazy that conference. And I'm super excited to to watch that unfold. I had another question for you. Um this is a, a an incredibly hypothetical question, Caitlin. And it's a stupid question, but it's more to show what kind of impact these two guys have on your on your on the Ravens' roster. If you had to cut one player between Mark Andrews and Justin Tucker, which one would you cut?
1: Honestly, I didn't even have to think about this twice. Definitely Mark Andrews. And that's because, like I mentioned before, the Ravens have a good history with tight ends. And I'm not saying that he could be easily replaced But I feel that you could replace him more than you could replace Justin Tucker. And just because he's the kicker, he is a big influence on that team. And he's the most accurate kicker probably in the NFL. And the Ravens have had difficulties with kickers in the past. I literally remember watching the Ravens play the Patriots in the championship game in 2011 season and how Billy Cundiff missed a 32-yard field goal. And then that was, like, heartbreaking to me. And, I, I mean, many teams across the league struggle with kickers. Um, oh, you're talking to
0: a Vikings fan. Um, <laughs> we could that. have this We could have this conversation for hours.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's, that's the first thing that came to mind. But, um, yeah, I just feel that Justin Tucker can't really be replaced. And I hope the Ravens keep him for as long as he wants to play. If it's going to be 15 more years from now, keep him because I don't think they're going to be able to find another kicker like that. And I don't think any other NFL team can be find a kicker like that. And also we have Nick Boyle. I mean, he's injured for us this season, but he also was a great tight end for the Ravens. So I feel that we could easily replace somebody like Mark Andrews compared to Justin Tucker.
0: Yeah, that was perfectly well said and well handled. Cause it, that was, it's a really hard question to answer. You obviously wouldn't want to get rid of either. Um, Vikings kickers, oh man, as Andy Hopper comments, how is Dan Bailey still employed? December, this guy is killing us in December. In just December alone, Dan Bailey has missed seven kicks. And he missed four kicks total against the Bucks this past weekend. Basically single-handedly lost us that game. Uh, and man, I just can't even start with our kickers. They are the death of me um before we head out caitlin i just had one miscellaneous question wanted to ask you you know as the snow is coming down we're going to be snowed in for at least the next 12 hours what is your favorite sports movie that you would recommend to the viewers watching
1: um it's a good
0: movie or sports tv show there's a lot to choose from here
1: um not really a movie person the only sports movie i watch is the raven super bowl movie um, <laughs> it's a good one though um, i don't know i mean i i mean like technically all american that netflix series is about football but also actually now that i think about it i watch it's like a netflix series it's called last chance you and they're all documentaries about different community college from like players that Got kicked out of like their D1 schools. Those, there's like three different schools, but those ones are really good. Me and my mom used to watch them um, like every night and then we finished the season, but definitely those. You can go through the whole season when um, this is um, the snow's out.
0: Yeah, that, that's a good one. I've never watched Last Chance You. I really should get into it, Jason. Perez, thank you for tuning in with the comment Blue Mountain State. I was going to say Blue Mountain State is probably my favorite TV show for sports. Totally inappropriate. But then another movie, I think my favorite sports movie is uh, Semi-Pro. I think that's a classic. I've never seen it. (laughs) Well, you should definitely watch it. That's a classic uh, sports movie. But uh, before I let you go, Caitlin, anything else that you would like to add?
1: Um, The only thing I have to say is that the Ravens – I wouldn't under I wouldn't underestimate them. I think they still can make a playoff push, and and they might surprise a lot of people in January.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. I think they are try really trying to get redemption for the way last season ended. Absolutely, uh, Ka- Caitlin. Thank you so much for joining the show. And good luck during this awful snowstorm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you for having me.
0: Anytime. That was Caitlin McCarthy, big Ravens fan. You could follow her podcast on Spotify, kicking off with Caitlin. And that will bring us to our next segment. I got a good one planned, and that is uh, the truth or conspiracy segment. All my notes, however, are in the other room. So I'm going to put this intro on and sprint to grab my notes and then sprint back. I might not be back for like two seconds, but stay stay tuned. This is going to be good. We became human. That was the fastest I've ever run in my life. So, truth or conspiracy. We got some talking points for this one. Let's start off with the first truth or conspiracy uh, clue. We got the Bears and or Vikings will make the playoffs. That's a very good one. Uh, I put some thought into it, and I'm looking at the schedule for the uh, NFC North teams right now. As my lungs are just beating like crazy right now from that sprint I just did. Uh, The Vikings right now, obviously 6-7. and They close out their season with an incredibly hard schedule. I, I really the Vikings should have won that Cowboys game a couple weeks ago that killed them. They should have won that bucks game. That would have been two huge wins for them. And now they have to go into a really difficult part of their schedule. You're looking at the bears this week. And I I know Andy's, uh, yeah, I, as the, the commenters say, uh, conspiracy jason and nick barnes alike say that this game is or the this clue is a conspiracy i actually tend to agree with people who say it's a conspiracy because i'm looking at the schedules for the vikings and the bears and the vikings play the bears saints and lions to close out the year the bears game is a toss-up with how the bears just finished uh or just played this past week against the texans dominated them texans defense is it any worse than the vikings defense probably not. That's kind of sad. And then the Saints, are the Vikings going to beat the Saints on Christmas? Oh man, I would love that, but that's probably not going to happen. Even with Taysom Hill, the Vikings will, honestly, I think Taysom Hill could probably beat the Vikings worse than Drew Brees could just because of the dual threat uh, of his ability. And then the the Bears schedule, I mean, they play the Vikings, Jags, and Green Bay. And the Bears already lost to the Vikings. They're 6-7, and seven, so they would have to win out, essentially, to, to make the playoffs. And the Packers, in the last week, that's really hard. And I think their biggest contender, the biggest opponent right now for getting that last wildcard spot, it's going to be the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray right now leads the NFL in rushing yards before contact at 5.3 yards before he is even touched. The guy is incredible. You don't want to face Kyler Murray. You saw what he did against the Giants, against a really good defense. Uh, The Bears are similar makeup as the Giants. Um, Honestly, good defense, really kind of bad offense. But I think the Cardinals, with their schedule, they play the Eagles this week. Uh, I think that Cardinals offense is going to tear apart that Eagles defense The Saints have not been tearing apart any defenses with Taysom Hill and their defense has been struggling a little bit lately. I think Arizona is going to have the edge there. Then they play the 49ers in a division game. As we know, the 49ers do not have a home field. So this game, no matter what, will be played in Arizona. But I think the Cardinals, last time I checked, that is their home stadium. Uh, So they're going to hold down the turf there. I think they're going to beat the 49ers and then they play the the uh, the rams to close out the year. Now, that's going to be the game of the season it's going to have a ton of playoff implications. Right now, I still think this at, with the the cardinals at 7 and 5 over the bears and vikings at 6 and 7, I think the cardinals have the best shot. So let's go to the next one. The Packers will get a first round bye. This one took a little bit of thinking because right now the Packers And the Saints are tied for the number one seed Uh, record-wise. I think the Packers have the edge with the tiebreaker. The Packers' end of their season is pretty easy. They play the Panthers this week on Saturday night. Then they play the Titans, which, although it sounds like a challenging game, I think that is going to be a favorable matchup for Green Bay. They've played Dalvin Cook twice this year. They've seen really good running backs, and I think they're going to be ready for Derrick Henry, I would hope, after playing Dalvin Cook twice. And then they finish the season at Chicago. Green Bay owns Chicago. We all know that. I think Green Bay has a good favorable schedule, as we see. Uh, Nick Barnes, he agrees. I... Nick, thank you for watching. I, I also think the Packers have a better shot than the Saints. The Saints have to play the Chiefs this week without Drew Brees. We don't know when Drew Brees is coming back. And then they play the Vikings, like I said before, and then they close out the season on the road against the Panthers. Right now, I think the reason why Green Bay is going to get a first-round bye is because Aaron Rodgers. The guy doesn't want to lose, and when he doesn't want to lose – The Packers don't lose. He is an incredible competitor. He's been here before in the month of December. You do not want to face Aaron Rodgers. Watch out for Green Bay right now. They are getting hot at the perfect time. And we talk a lot about the AFC and how there's so many teams out there who can contend for the Super Bowl. I think the Packers are the one true Super Bowl contender out of this conference. I don't see the Saints competing with the Chiefs. If we'll see, we'll see on Saturday or on Sunday, rather how the saints fare against the chiefs, because that could be a prelude to the super bowl. But I think the Packers are the only team right now that can compete for a super bowl in the NFC. That'll wrap up that segment of truth or conspiracy. Uh, next time I'll try to do some more, but thank you for tuning in for that one. We became human. And for everybody watching, thank you so much. Um, we got a good slate of games this week in the NFL. Next week's show is going to be on Christmas night. That's right. I'm going to be doing a show on Christmas right after the Vikings game at 4:30 versus the Saints. We're gonna I'm gonna break down that Viking Saints game. Gonna talk about the NFC North. Get more on the NFC North track. Uh, Christmas night, North Pole special next Friday night. I look forward to seeing everybody there. But for Gabe Flayton at Review of Preview Sports, everybody stay safe and have a great night.